All right, Luke chapter number 2 tonight. And uh, I just want to give you a few simple thoughts this evening on a topic that is really not discussed very often, but Brother Bill touched on it some on, uh, on Friday morning. And I thought it was quite interesting that the Lord was leading both of us in this very same direction. The Bible says in verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. I want you to take note of that phrase, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray together this evening. Heavenly Father, bless your word. Thank you for all the testimonies, Lord, and the songs, and everything that you've done in our midst tonight. I pray that you just glorify your Son in this time that we have. Speak to each heart according to its need. Father, help us to submit to your Holy Spirit in every way in which you communicate with us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight on the idea, why a manger? Um, You know, I think often we take things in the Word of God at face value, and I believe we ought to take them at face value. I believe we ought to believe them. I believe we ought to obey the Bible. I don't believe we're here to be uh, critics of the Word of God. I believe we're here to be students of the Word of God. But by the same token, I do believe Uh, that it is in our best interest to ask some questions as we read the Word of God uh, as to why God chose to do certain things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a healthy thing. Uh, Let me give you just a little key in biblical understanding, okay? Just a little principle and a little rule. I believe that most churches have failed today in teaching people how to study the Bible. And I believe we ought to have more focus on how to study the Bible because it will help you. Don't run away from the uh, confounding or complicated things in the Word of God. Run to them. Don't shy away from them. Embrace them. And make up your mind that you're going to find out what they mean. Amen? I mean, isn't that good? Don't we do that with anything? If you're putting together a, a grill, there's nothing in this world. I mean, I'm telling you, I think they get the instructions to put together a barbecue grill straight out of the pit of hell. Amen? It's, it is the worst endeavor. I think you could... I, I think NASA spends less time building a space shuttle than it takes the average person to put a barbecue grill together. But you know what? We embrace those difficult things because we want to do it right. I think as we study the Word of God, if we want to do it right... Uh, then we ought to embrace those things and we ought to figure out what they mean and put the time into it to find out what they mean. And let me give you a second rule. Always be surrendered and submitted to the truth of the Word of God. We're not here to question God. We might be here to ask Him some questions, but we're not here to question Him. You know what I mean? Uh, We're here uh, questioning Him not because we disbelieve Him or doubt Him, but because we want to understand God. And if you'll do those principles, that'll help you in your Bible study. It'll enrich your Bible study as you begin to examine things in life that you've never seen them before. And so tonight I want us to ask this question, why a manger? 
Why was the Son of God born in a manger? And, you know, the purposes of God are manifold. Uh, just as every action has a manifold consequence. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? Manifold means many or uh, varied. And every single action has a manifold consequence. Uh, it, it has a uh, action and then an equal or opposite reaction. That's what the laws of physics tell us. And uh, there's always multiple actions. I mean, if you gossip about one person over here, it ain't just going to affect them. It's going to affect you and it's going to affect them and it's going to affect the other people that hear it. There's a manifold consequence. Now, if we believe God is sovereign, then we believe that God has manifold purpose. In other words, none of these consequences take God by surprise, but through His sovereign nature, uh, He is able to accomplish many things with but one action. So uh, we have a sovereign God that has manifold purpose. So I'm sure there's many reasons that Christ was born in a manger. Uh, We've heard the story many times growing up. Uh, In fact, most of you probably, I'm sure there's a few of you that heard it every single Christmas. And and God bless you and God bless your parents if you had the kind of parents that would sit you down at Christmas and uh, and would tell you the story of Christ's birth and read it to you from Luke chapter number 2 and and share that truth with you. And you've heard many times of this great taxing that took place. In verse number 1, it says, In those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Isn't it interesting that the world emperor is passed over just in one verse like that? The shepherds have several verses devoted to them, but the world emperor, he's just passed, just glossed over. Do you know why? Because God's economy is different than our economy. You may be important in the world's eyes. That doesn't mean that you're uh, important or uh, prominent. We'll use that word in God's eyes. Uh, importance or prominence in the world doesn't equal prominence in God's eyes. Uh, the world emperor is passed over, and it says and this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. There's another political figure that's just passed over in a glimpse. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. We come down to verse number 6, and it says, And so it was... While they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Speaking of uh, Mary, the earthly mother of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. By the way, Brother Bill did an excellent lesson on those swaddling clothes. There's a lot of truth there as well. And laid him in a manger. And I want to say first off, the, the first reason, I think it's the most clear biblical reason as to why our Lord was laid in a manger was because of his alienation. Look what it says. uh, Because there was no room for them in the end. Well, what an astounding thought. Here the Son of God comes into this world, and there's no room for it. At this time, it would have been common during this uh, taxing, and a census is really what it was, uh, when this census was taking place, uh, no doubt wealthier people would have sent ahead and made reservations and saw uh, to it that their, uh, their accommodations would have been seen to and would have been took care of. But here the Son of God enters into this world, and just a simple little inn doesn't even have room for him. I mean, they couldn't even squeeze a corner. That's one thing I found out with a baby. You know, they don't take up much room but they take over your whole life, amen? Uh, Surely they could have found just a little corner somewhere to put the God of glory. But there was no room found for them. It's not that there was no room. It was there was no room found for them. Do you hear me? You know, that's true of the heart of the believer many times. It's not that it's impossible to serve God, to love God, and to have God uh, at the very heart and center of your life. It's that we choose not to. Make the conscious decision not to. Do you know that was the same situation for this world? I'm always astounded by God's uh, meticulous sovereignty. And God is meticulously sovereign. 
And he's so sovereign, he's not afraid of our free will. Now, that's sovereign right there. He's meticulously sovereign. And it astounds me uh, as you read the Word of God. Do you know that God fashioned things prophetically and dispensationally? Listen carefully to what I'm going to say. Because this does not uh, speak necessarily of God uh, trying to make a provision for an audible or a plan B, but it speaks of the honesty of God. Do you know that God structured things in such a way that had the Jews chosen to receive Christ as their Messiah, God's prophetic timetable could have gone straight on through in that scenario. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, uh, the Bible says at the end of the Old Testament that Elijah would have to come before the Lord would come. And and do you know that even to this day, Orthodox Jews, whenever they have the Passover, they'll set out a place just for Elijah. That's how much they believe. You say, Elijah didn't come. No, but Christ said of John the Baptist that he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He would be Elijah unto you. And God had structured everything to where if the Jews had chosen to receive the Messiah as the Messiah, they could have chosen Him as Messiah. You say, preacher, why did God do that? Did God not know they would reject Him? No, He knew that they would, but you see, God's honest. God's not bluffing anyone with their free will. Do you hear me? God's not bluffing anyone with their free will. That's how sovereign He is. When God says that whosoever will may be saved, it means whosoever will may be saved. It doesn't mean that God has secretly chosen some to heaven and some to hell and He just ain't let us in. It means whosoever will. Now, God has foreknowledge, or as we would call it, prescience. He knows what's going to take place in the future, but we genuinely have the choice concerning our own life. You say, preacher, explain that to me. And I say, I can't. I can't. I am stuck in finite time. I cannot wrap my mind around it. But the Bible teaches it clearly. Uh, The Jews had no room for the Son of God. They rejected Him. And this world at large rejected Him. The Bible says in John chapter 1, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. I know you'll hear people today try to identify carnal Christianity uh, with the type of radical impact that the cross of Calvary brought to this world. And it did bring a radical impact to the religious structure of that day. There is no question, there is no doubt about it. But do you know that Christ was never a partaker with compromisers, Brother Ralph? He was never a partaker with compromise. The Pharisees, I understand that the Pharisees were supposed to be orthodox. Is that correct? That's right. That's what we believe, right? The Pharisees were supposed to be the most, most orthodox of orthodox. But do you know that even the Pharisees were compromisers in that day? That's why they, were, uh, they went and they worshipped in the synagogues rather than being able to worship in the temple. Even though they were supposed to be to the letter of the law, they had compromised the truth of God's Word in so many different facets, in so many different ways, and they were the very ones that Christ would rebuke the most harsh. They were the very ones. You know why they butt heads? Because they had no room for him either. The religious world at that time had no room for him. The religious world at this time has no room for him, Brother Ralph. Not for a Bible Jesus. You hear me? Not for a biblical Jesus Christ. The religious world has no room for him. He is still alienated. There's coming a day when he no longer will be. But it is a biblical fact that when the Son of God came, he was hated of this world. Do you know he's still hated to this day? You may be having a rough go of it trying to serve God. Don't let that surprise you. Because this world hated him. And the more that we show him through our life, this world's going to hate us even more. He came, and as, uh, as uh, has already been mentioned, he came and was born to die. The church was not an audible. The church was not a cobbled together plan from the broken pieces 
of uh, the dispensation of law. It was the provisional plan of God for the redemption of mankind. It was the plan of God that he would be alienated from this world, rejected by this world. And it's always been the case. You'll find, and, and, and I'm not going to try to get into, into, what's the word, Brother Ralph, social psychology. I'm not going to try to get into it. But let me just say that you'll find that crowds always bring a negative impact. You'll find that God does not operate in masses, but God operates in the individual. And he has always done that. And he always will do that. And if he operates in a mass of people, it is only because they have individually chosen to submit their lives to Jesus Christ. It was never the plan of God for the entire world to be converted and no one to die and go to hell. Do you hear what I'm saying? That was never God's plan. That was always God's desire because he's not willing that any should perish. But this notion that we're going to evangelize the whole world, Brother Ralph, you won't find that on a single page of that King James Bible. Find it anywhere. This notion that everyone would just embrace the Son of God with open arms. You won't find that anywhere. People say, well, Christ came to bring people together. And you'll hear that very often said. You'll hear people say that, especially in ecumenical circles where we're trying to bring denominations and churches and and stuff to put aside doctrine, to put aside what we believe so that we can come together around a common truth. And you'll hear people say, well, you know, Jesus Christ came so that we could all be brought together. That's not what He said. He said, I'm come to send a fire. And a sword. He said, I, I'm going to be so controversial, I'm going to split households into. That's what Christ said about His ministry and about His person. It is a ministry of alienation. Do you know why that is? Because until the sinner is alienated from his alliance with the world, he can never come to know Christ as his Savior. He's got to make the decision that the world is not going to be his home and his life anymore. You say, that's lordship salvation. No, that's conviction of the Holy Ghost. That's a new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh, that, that is not having friendship with the world, because friendship with the world is enmity with God. And whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I want you to understand tonight that, that the general flow and consensus of this world is in direct opposition to the Son of God. And it always has been. Some people say, well, you know, uh, you, you're, you people, you're just cantankerous. You just don't like anything modern. You don't like anything new. And I'd say that in a sense, yeah. Right? I mean, if the world is getting worse, and I understand. Let me give you a, a, deep, a deep, practical, biblical principle tonight. And I've never heard this said before, but I'm going to say it tonight. I've said it to other people, but I've never heard anyone else say it. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The world's position concerning cultural change is to be that of regressive. You'll hear people say very often, Well, you know, Brother Toby, uh, Amazing Grace used to be a barroom uh, chanty song. And it used to be, Brother Ralph, it used to be a barroom song. And people say, Well, you know, Brother Toby, I mean, uh, you know, there was a time when this was considered ungodly. Uh, hey, when Mr. Moody and Mr. Sankey went to Scotland, they wouldn't even let them sing in a lot of places because the organ was considered the devil's music. And I say, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Culture changes. There's no question culture changes. What does the church do in the face of cultural change, Brother Ralph? Is all cultural change bad? No, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say all cultural change is bad. I would say when the gospel of Jesus Christ was brought to this country, that wasn't a bad cultural change. But how does the church respond in the face of cultural change? What is our attitude to be? It is to be that of regressive. 
We are not to be a progressive entity. The New Testament church is not to be. And you say, well, you know, I don't know about that preacher. This progressivism, you know, this is what's the new rage. And it'll always be the new rage. It is intrinsically the new rage. But that's why the Bible says to ask for the old paths. We are always to be regressive. The church is to always look at cultural change with a wary eye and with a Bible in hand because we are commanded to be separate and different from the world. Of course, things are going to change. They're always going to change. There's some things uh, that are going to change. Some things ain't never going to change. But the church is always to have an attitude of regressivism. Why? Our Savior was alienated from this world. The world hated Him. The world is at a polar opposite of the Son of God and always will be until He reigns in righteousness and peace. And so the church ought to be at polar opposite with the world. The church ought to always be pulling back away from the world. You say, preacher, we ain't going to get many people in here like that. No, but the ones we get in here, I'd hope they'd be saved and right and serious about serving God. We're not going to pack it with a bunch of entertainment, no. No, that's not how it's going to But if we can pack it with the Spirit of God, I think we'll have done something right. Amen? It don't do no good just to get a bunch of people in here. If, if nothing's happening in here, it doesn't do any good to get a bunch of people in here. It doesn't do a, a single bit of good. Well, that wasn't what I was preaching on, Brother Ralph, but that's okay. I'd say he was laid in a manger because of alienation. But I'd say he was laid in a manger because of association. You see, he was laid there to paint a picture and to, to send a message. Do you know what, what message was sent? It, the message that was sent was that God in the flesh was willing to associate with the most base creatures in this world. Oh, what a blessed truth. What a blessed truth. The trough, or the manger, of course, was a trough. It was a feeding place. We'd call it a Shoney's. <laughs> Amen? We'd call it a buffet. It's where they would put the straw and the feed, and the animals would come, and they would feed within this trough. And the Son of God was placed there and associated with farm animals. I'm thankful we're not animals. I'm thankful we're made in the image of God. We're not animals. We are mammals. We are not animals. And we are made in the very image of God. We have a soul. Animals do not have a soul. They do not have soul consciousness. But we do have soul consciousness. But I also recognize, as I read the Word of God, Brother Ralph, that we are likened unto animals at times, particularly, Brother Ralph, to sheep. Manger would have been the place where the sheep would have eaten. The manger would have been a very lowly place. But you know the Son of God came that He might provide salvation to even the lowest amongst us. He came that He might uh, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for you and I. We probably know some pretty down-and-out people. I have in my life. I've known some. And you probably have known some too. Aren't you thankful we don't have a different gospel for them? I mean, stop, think about that for a moment. Aren't you thankful you don't have to go through a catalog of gospels to find the right one for the right person? Aren't you thankful that whether it's by race or by color, by creed, by financial bracket, uh, whether it's by gender, you don't have to go through and pick the right gospel for the right person. The gospel is the right gospel. God is willing to save any and all that will come unto Him. God is able to save any and all that will come unto Him. It was a picture of His association. But I would say that it was a picture of His accessibility. Aren't you thankful he wasn't placed in the palace where no one could get to him? He was placed in the manger where anyone could go. 
Let me tell you something, and I, and I, I do believe that a child has to come to a place where they can comprehend that they're lost and that Christ paid their sin debt. I do believe that. But man, I, I tell you, I'm thankful that I don't, I don't have to, I'm thankful I don't have to hit a certain uh, social circle or a certain uh, tax bracket. I'm thankful I don't have to uh, hit a certain level of power or prestige. I'm thankful the Son of God is accessible. Do you know He's still accessible today? Not just for the sinner, but for the saint as well. You know, they didn't bring the mangers out. The mangers were always out. All they did was just keep filling them full of food, and the animals could come whenever they needed something, whenever they was hungry, whenever they just needed some nourishment, they could come and they could feed. Do you know that that's much how the Word of God is and how our relationship with Christ is? While, while I believe we ought to have a regular time that we're spending with Jesus Christ day in and day out, I'm also thankful that I can call upon Him, and He's a very present help in time of need. I mean, at any he's accessible. I can talk to him. I'm thankful I don't have to drive to Mass and talk to a priest to try to talk to God. Boy, I'm thankful for that. I wouldn't want that priest knowing everything I do. Amen. I, I mean, I'm thankful that I don't have to go and drop a coin in a bowl to pray for a lost loved one that I have. I'm thankful that I don't have to go to a religious council and see them and ask them. I'm I'm thankful that I don't have to put it in the mail and trust the post office to get it there. Amen. I'm thankful that He is just a prayer away at any time. He's accessible. Hey, when when my heart is breaking, He's there. When my soul is rejoicing, He's there. I mean, friend, when my wallet's empty, He's there. And when it's full... I, I guess, I man, I ain't never been there yet, but when it's full, He's there. He's accessible. But I would say finally, Brother Ralph, and I, I'm done, it was an announcement. It was an announcement that the Lamb of God had come into this world. It was an announcement to the shepherds. It was an announcement to Joseph and to Mary that the Lamb that would be slain For the sins of this world was laid in the very place that a lamb or a sheep would come to and would frequent. Can I say to you tonight that the blessed truth of Christmas is that we have a Savior. The blessed truth of Christmas does not end in a manger. In fact, I'd say it didn't even begin there. I'd say say it began, I'd say it always has been in a sense because He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But, but it did not end in a manger. And, and I'm thankful that it didn't end at a cross. I'm thankful it didn't end at an empty tomb. I'm thankful it didn't even end at an occupied intercessor's throne. I'm thankful one of these days, and this truth is never really going to end, but will find its culmination upon a throne in Jerusalem as He reigns over this world. The truth of Christmas and the blessedness of Christmas is that God loved us so much He'd send His Son to die for you and me. That God's interested in humanity. That God has a desire to save any and all that are willing to come unto Him and to call upon Him. That's the blessed truth of Christmas. Some of you are going to give some gifts this year. Some of you are going to give great gifts. Some of you are going to give terrible gifts. You know it's true. But let me tell you something. The most phenomenal gift that you could give any, anybody around you is to share the love of Calvary with them and the fact that Christ died for them. He said, Preacher, what if they're already saved? 
then they ought to bless your name for it. Say, preacher, what if they're not saved and they get mad? They needed to hear it anyway. But then there's a third thought. And I'd say to you, what if they're not saved and they get saved? And that Christmas or Christmas Eve or maybe even Christmas Eve Eve, I don't know what you'd call that. We always open presents on the 23rd on Eve Eve. But whatever day that is, imagine that being the day where they not only get to celebrate the Savior's birth, but they get to celebrate their new birth. That they have been accepted into the family of God and accepted in the Beloved and their life forever changed. I've got a real burden, church. I'm going to be honest with you. And I hope this translates to my personal life because I'm a hypocrite if it doesn't, and I want it to be. That we ought to be taking these opportunities to share the gospel with people. I think, I think in a way, and I believe in organized soul-winning efforts. I believe in them. But I think in a way they've kind of ruined us too. Because we have compartmentalized our evangelism into a couple of hours on a certain day of the week here or there. And we have neglected the opportunities that God gives us day in and day out to share the gospel with people. And you're going to see people in the next few days. Don't let this Christmas season pass. I'm not saying you need to get in a fight, splash eggnog in their face, have some sense about you. But I believe it would be a beautiful time to, in compassion, share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. You say, preacher, that's all you've been talking about. Yeah, because I think it's important. I think it's important. It does no good to talk about it on January 1st, because the opportunities we're going to face are going to be in the next few days, in the next week or so. You'd be praying about how God would use you in that way. Because why a manger? A manger... Because He's accessible to you and I and to our loved ones. And there's a way made for salvation.